Six months earlier, he had been barred from the premises. I heard wood splintering, a door giving way before a baseball bat, then screams, a thudding noise. Call the police, my mother cried as she fled past my room. When I dialed 911, the dispatcher told me a squad car was on its way. Already? Yes, the dispatcher said. Some minutes earlier, an anonymous caller had reported an intruder at the same address. The police arrived and an ambulance. The paramedics carried out on a stretcher the man my mother had recently begun seeing. He had been visiting that evening. His shirt was soaked in blood, and he had gone into shock. My father had attacked him with the baseball bat, then with the Swiss army knife he always carried in his pocket. The stabbings in the stomach were multiple. It took the Peekskill Hospital's ER doctors the better part of the night to stanch the bleeding. Getting the blood out of the house took longer. It was everywhere, on floors, walls, the landing, the stairs, the kitchen, the front hall. The living room looked like a scene out of Carrie, which, as it happened, had just come out that fall. When the house went on the market a year later, my mother and I were still trying to scrub stains from the carpet. The night of his break-in, my father was treated for a superficial cut on the forehead and delivered to the county jail. He was released before morning. The next afternoon, he rang the bell of our next-door neighbor, wearing a slightly soiled head bandage, trussed up, as my mother put it later, like the spirit of 76. He was intent on purveying his side of the story. He'd entered the house to save his family from a trespasser. My father's side prevailed, at least in the public forum. Two local newspapers, including one that my mother had begun writing for, ran items characterizing the night's drama as a husband's attempt to expel an intruder. The court reduced the charges to a misdemeanor and levied a small fine. In the subsequent divorce trial, my father claimed to be the wronged husband. The judge acceded to my father's request to pay no alimony and a mere $50 a week for the support of two children. My father also succeeded in having a paragraph inserted into the divorce decree that presented him as the injured party. By withdrawing her affections in the last months of their marriage, my mother had endangered the defendant's physical well-being and caused the defendant to receive medical treatment and become ill. I have had enough of impersonating a macho, aggressive man that I have never been inside, my father had written me. As I confronted nearly four decades and nine time zones away my father's new self, it was hard for me to purge that image of the violent man from her new persona. Was I supposed to believe the one had been erased by the other, as handily as the divorce decree recast my father as the endangered victim? Could a new identity not only redeem, but expunge its predecessor? As I came of age in post-war America, the search for identity was assuming holy grail status, particularly for middle-class Americans seeking purchase in the new suburban sprawl. By the 70s, finding yourself was the vaunted magic key, the portal to psychic well-being. In my own suburban town in Westchester County, it sometimes felt as if everyone I knew, myself included, was seeking guidance from books with titles like Quest for Identity, Self-Actualization, Be the Person You Are Meant to Be. 
Our teen center sponsored encounter groups where high schoolers could uncover their inner selfhood. Local counseling services offered therapy sessions to get in touch with the real you. Mothers in our neighborhood held consciousness-raising meetings to locate the true woman trapped inside the house dress. Liberating the repressed self was the ne plus ultra of the newly hatched women's movement, as it was the clarion call for so many identity movements to follow. To fail in that quest was to suffer an identity crisis, the term of art minted by the reigning psychologist of the era, Eric Erickson. But who is the person you were meant to be? Is who you are what you make of yourself? The self you fashion into being? Or is it determined by your inheritance and all its fateful forces, genetic, familial, ethnic, religious, cultural, historical?